Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Everybody, welcome to Que Go Lasso Pod, our weekend recap. Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce join me to discuss Liverpool against Manchester United, Inter beating Juventus, the Spanish Supercopa as Athletic Bilbao beat Barcelona in a thrilling, thrilling game. We talk about the United States women's national team as they look ahead to a doubleheader against Colombia. And we discuss Man City because with that game in hand, they can go top of the table very, very soon. This and much more as Kegolasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kegolasso, our weekend recap. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. Jimmy, what's up, man? What? I mean, there's a lot going on. This is a big weekend for games, so I'm very excited to get into it, especially with my friend, Hollywood Heath Pierce. What's up, Hollywood? Ah uh, man, you know, it's one of these weekends where you go into it and you, you search the calendar and you go, there's actually only a couple huge games. And then you realize these are the, these are the weekends that, that make or break all the big team season. So I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to talking about it. There's so much. There was so much going on this weekend. And let's get straight into it. Let's talk about it. The Premier League, beginning with Liverpool against Manchester United, ends in a stalemate. But you know what? I have two defenders in this podcast who probably enjoyed a little bit of that, at least from a defensive standpoint. Jimmy, let's start with you in terms of what we expected. I believe all of us at some point last week said a draw, including yourself when you gave us. <laughs> I think I picked a draw in every game that I uh, discussed in our preview, but yeah. I thought this one was going to be a draw for sure. I think that the trends, the his historical trends of the last five games have all been four, three or four of them have been draws. I thought it was going to be one, one. It ended up zero, zero. I thought even, at the beginning of the game, when Jordan Henderson and Fabinho were starting as center backs, I'm like, oh, Martial, Rashford, Bruno Fernandez. First time that Rashford or Bruno Fernandez has played in this fixture before. He, they were going to at least get a goal. Didn't happen. I thought both defenses, both center back pairings were very good. I thought the goalkeepers obviously made excellent saves. Allison in particular and Paul Pogba very late. At Rashford a little bit later than that. And 0-0 and, uh, zero, zero felt like the fair result, ultimately. I kind of want all 90 of those minutes of my life back. But, you know, I'm still glad I watched it in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, Heath, what were your thoughts, your initial thoughts from this game? Uh, honestly, my focus is on Jurgen Klopp. He does not, you know, I was I, this morning when, when I was watching Jurgen Klopp before the match and his attitude is usually short lived where he's got this lack of patience, but you're starting to see this change in his, his tone. And, and after a match like that, he just seems very frustrated. He seems very short. Yeah, it's granted it's towards the media, but I'm wondering if he, if he realizes that all these results with these makeshift squads that he's put out, he can't rely on forever. And now you come into these games, you've got to get all the points out of them. And I wonder if he's starting to see maybe, maybe his luck is running out. Maybe he wishes he had a full team. Maybe he sees the fact that this Premier League season is wide open and a Liverpool last year would have run away with it already. Um, but I'm worried. But overall, as Jimmy said, I, th I thought it was a fair result. I thought United towards the last 20 minutes maybe could have snuck something out of that. But Liverpool were, I thought, the better team had more chances, obviously, uh, early on in the match. But I think a draw overall, whether it was 1-1 or 0-0, is pretty fair. 
Jimmy, who's happier out of these two clubs in that result? I would say Ole Gunnar, Solskjaer, Manchester United for sure. You know, it was a, it was a game they had to get a result in and, and they went out and got it. I mean, they, as Heath said, they didn't really look good the first half. I thought Liverpool really took it to them. We're in charge. Second half, it started to open up a little bit and they got some better chances. I thought in the second half, they had some better chances, but you know, Allison made the saves that they, that he has to make if they're going to have, I mean, this is a game that both of them probably needed to win. My big, my big fear to kind of tack on a little bit, something additionally to, to Heath's point about Jurgen Klopp, they haven't scored in three straight Premier League games. So we can talk about their makeshift defense and their makeshift lineup, but they still got their front three that were banging in goals the last two seasons. Mane, Salah, Firmino. It can't always be about them in the service that they're getting. Trent Alexander-Arnold is still bombing forward and whipping balls in. So is Andy Robertson on the other side. There's something off a little bit. I don't know if Tiago Alcantara, who I thought was pretty active today, making crazy tackles, is like, this guy's into it. He's already into the rivalry. first time ever playing in it. Um, you know, it, it, maybe because he's a deep-line playmaker, it's harder to connect with the front three in a meaningful way. There are some questions there, and they're definitely stunted, and, and something's not happening. I, I don't know what it is. They just need one to unlock because we've seen it before. They, they had one goal get unlocked against Crystal Palace. They scored seven in that game. So it's 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 really hard to know with this Liverpool team. So we, as much as we talk about the mix, makeshift lineups, there's there has to be some attention and focus now being talked about with regard to their attack. Yeah, I thought Thiago was probably their best player in the first half. And then uh, things probably slowed down for him a little bit in the second. What about Manchester United, Heath? What did you see from them? Uh, obviously, right now, they're still top of the table. But, you know, we'll talk about it in a second. Man City with a game in hand, etc. What did you make of their performance? Well, I thought it was great, you know. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not sure if they played their own perfect game plan. But they left with a, a point, ultimately. And against the Liverpool team, who we are obviously, as Jimmy just mentioned, you know, makeshift, whatever, whatever, whatever. They still had to stop, arguably, the best attack in the world. And, and they were able to do that. So I thought, overall, it's a great performance. And, and again, a building block for where they're at. If you think just like six weeks ago, they were sort of the laughing stock of, of the big big four, big five, big six, or however many there are bigs in the Premier League now, big eight, whatever it is. Uh, and now now they're shutting everybody up consistently, you know, and, and to go out against Liverpool, it's different when you're playing a Burnley. It's different when you're playing, you know, other teams within the league, but to be able to do it against Liverpool and get a point, I think is a, a really important confidence builder for, for the fans, for the players, and ultimately for Ole Gunnar. Yeah, guys, I don't know what to make of this performance from United, because on one hand, I agree with Heath. It's good to come out of Anfield with a point. They're top of the table. But on the other side, I feel like United should have been a little bit braver, I think. Uh, definitely in certain moments of the game. But it's easier for me to say that, I guess, especially when the ultimate uh, objective is to get out of there without losing. And I guess that's what they did. But, but then again, I, I feel like, you know, there goes your rivals, Manchester City, who destroyed Crystal Palace, haven't lost since losing to Tottenham way back in November. And with a game in hand, the game against Villa midweek, they win that. They're top of the table. And I feel like Solskjaer should have been a little bit braver. What do you think, Jimmy? I don't know. I, I can understand where you're coming from. But given the circumstances, given that Liverpool haven't lost at Anfield in, what, three years, three seasons, some crazy stat, mm. I can understand why they came out and were a little bit more conservative in the first half. They obviously were in a lineup with the double pivot with McTominay and Fred sitting in front of that back four. I actually thought Lindelof – and Harry Maguire were both very good. I thought Fred and McTominay oh. were both very good. You know, I mean, everybody kind of did their job. Was it sexy? No, it wasn't. Did, did they have a chance to maybe steal it at the end? Paul Pogba, Rashford, maybe they're a little toe poke. Maybe they did. And, and if they had gotten that, it'd be like, oh, it's a genius masterclass by United there. They did just what they had to do to get the three points. 
I don't know. This is kind of the version of Manchester United. I think we're seeing now the Sir Alex days are over. They're just doing enough what they they're doing what they have to do to get results. I will say with regard to city, and I'm sure we're going to transition to them. Watch out. Those guys are a freight train. They got another clean sheet today. They scored four goals. The big, the big hesitation with them was their attack. They so much commitment towards their defense um, that maybe it was like handcuffing their attack. And now it seems to be wide open on both sides. And wow, you love to see it. I mean, I think city, for me, they're the favorites right now to win the league. Yeah, well, let's transition into that game right now then because Man City, as you mentioned, on fire. They destroy Crystal Palace, which is fair enough. You would expect that that's the kind of result. But, you know, most importantly, they're doing it uh, at the back. Uh, they're doing it offensively. John Stones gets a brace today. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne was fantastic, of course, as he always is. Raheem Sterling with a great header. Gundogan, by the way, who's like, you know, a very talented player. Any other team, he's like pretty much their star. And he's just another asset to Pep Guardiola. They haven't lost uh, since losing to Tottenham in November 21st. Since tying West Brom, like December 15th, they've won every game in all competitions. And here they come, the freight train. And, you know, Heath, you said this is the title for Man City to take. And right now it's pointing in that direction. How, how do you see it? Yeah, I, I, I think it's still spot on. I think they, you know, as, as Jimmy just mentioned, it was a lack of goals, right? Everything was focused sort of on, on the defense and, and you hope that those goals come. But when you look at them, they were able to very early on for a Manchester City standard, the new Manchester City, City standard, step out of the way of all the limelight and just sort of work internally, right? They would have, uh, United was the talk of the town all, all season long, both good and bad. Uh, Liverpool ha uh, holders having to, you know, kind of step up. Uh, Leicester City in the conversation. There wasn't a, a lot of talk of Man City. Um, obviously, they gave up the title last year. And then going to this year, they struggled a little bit. They kind of got a little bit, at least in the, in the, in the realms that I was living in. Uh, they were given a little more time to, to work it out and not be under, I think, the full gun or, or, or the media pressure or the pressure of whatever. And it, they're coming out of the backside of that. And they've snuck up now, like you said, and they play, I think, what is it? Villa. Uh, I think it's match day one. Uh, their game is match day one all over again. Uh, I saw that. On, by the way, if you look on Google, it says match day one between 17 and 18. Yeah, um, the opening game of the season for both sides. And it had to be obviously, uh, you know, take it all the way to now. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, they're, 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 they weren't getting, or, or missing results out of lack of players or, or whatever, you know, and now, now they snuck back up. And I, I still think that they're favorites right now. They've got the healthiest, I think, roster of anyone that has the ability to make a run. They have the most world-class players that are now capable of when you are having an off date, finding a way to get you a result. When you look at a, a Liverpool or uh, who haven't scored in the last three games against the Manchester United, you expect one of those guys. Yeah. Okay. It's a fair result, but you expect one of them to be able to have an individual moment of brilliance to say, you know what? I'm sealing the three points or at least putting pressure on them right now. If city played in that game, city's finding a way to score that goal and come out with three points. Yeah. Jimmy. Uh, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, I mean, how did, how do these guys fly under the radar this season? I, I'm looking at their, their calendar, and I hadn't really put it together. They've only lost twice all season. It was the Leicester 5-2 and the Tottenham 2-0, both, both in the league. Outside of that, they've been steamrolling people, not necessarily always you know, with, a, with a sexy result and not always aesthetically pleasing. They, they, you know, they'll possession you to death. But, but it, oh, it's incredible that they're flying under the radar. They, they're, they're as good as any – I mean, they're, they're playing as well as I've seen them play in a really long time, these last few weeks in particular. And, they're, and their schedule's setting up nicely. They got Villa this week. Uh, they got Cheltenham in the FA Cup. They got West Brom. Um, they got uh, Sheffield United. They got Burnley. I mean, 
all those games are leading up to February 6th, which you should be circling on your calendar right now when it's at Anfield against Liverpool. That game is going to be cracking, but they have a nice run up of games before that. And to your point, Luis, they can get everybody healthy. They can get everybody healthy and, and ready to go. And or maybe Heath said that too. And uh, that's, it's an exciting time to be a, a Man City fan. I don't know too many Man City fans, but I'm sure you guys are excited out there. Well, I'm sure I know. I think, well, our, <laughs> our friend Igor Mello is a Man City there fan. There you go. Behind PSG, uh, Man City is my second favorite team. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, are your 50s too small for your... Uh, yeah, I, I, grew up, I grew up on the outskirts of Par- Paris, but I spend a lot of time in Manchester in the, in the winters. <laughs> no, just like Kevin Keenan, that's right. Listen, <laughs> let, me, let me bring something up and that segue to Jimmy because it's a good point. Before the Brighton game, before Man City faced Brighton, Pep Guardiola was asked about like the recent good run of form. And one of the things he said was, the only difference right now is that we run less. That's right. Without the ball, you have to run. But with the ball, you stay more in the position and let the ball run, not you. And we improved in these games, in these terms. And I wanted to get both your opinion on that because, um, you know, I, all three of us, you know, obviously know Pep Guardiola's work very well. And one thing that we know about him is that he's obsessed with two things, possession and retaining possession. And, you know, the less time you have, he gives his players around three seconds, two and a half seconds to get the ball back the moment he loses it. So I feel like this quote here about running less has so much depth and so much, so many uh, layers to peel because it's really a really good point what Guardiola is saying. It's not so much running, but like running wastefully, right? What do you make of this, of this comment, Jimmy, and then you, Heath, about, about the fact about running less? It's, it's interesting. So I had a coach my first year in MLS named Brian Quinn. And uh, I was a younger player at that time, 21, you know, coming into the team. And, and he'd always yell at me, get it, give it, get it, give it, get it, give it. Uh, and, then, and then he'd be like, let the ball, let the ball do the running. Let the ball do the running, you know? And so when you say that, and when I hear Pep say that, that's the first Is thing. Is he from Liverpool, yeah. by the way? Was he no, from, he sounds like he's from Liverpool. I don't know where he's from. He's not from, he's not from the States, but that's my really bad. I, we got to get Brian Quinn on the show on time to see if I nailed his, nailed his accent. Quinn get sounds it, Irish. It. Yeah, he, I think he is Irish. Yeah, he's Irish. But well, um, he also sounds like a Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's not a very big guy, so yes, that, that could that could apply as well. But but that's what it reminds me of is being yelled at to do the same thing and and to let the ball do the running and to think about the game in that way. And obviously, when you're got a bunch of world class class players who probably could feel that they weren't playing well and maybe started to try to do too much, that maybe less was more was the way to go. And I think it's been unlocked in some ways. And, and honestly, they have it down defensively. For whatever reason, Pep said it today in his post-game press conference, the defense has got it down. They're locked in. We, yeah. we're, we're, we're perfect on that side of the ball. We just had to kind of relax on the other side of the ball. And now you're seeing the fruits of that labor. I mean, they put, put past – I mean, it's not easy to score against Crystal Palace unless you're Liverpool, but they got four against them. I don't see them going to – I don't see anywhere in the schedule they'll slow down. They have Liverpool, and then they have Tottenham right after, and then Arsenal after that, and then Bruce Munch and Gladbach. Whoa, that's a really tough schedule. I'm just reading that out loud. <laughs> that, those four games are crazy, but, but that lead-up to it should, should put them in a nice spot to be kind of cooking with gas at that point. Well, taking my bias out of it, Villa's not going to be that easy. I mean, I mean there is, there is a sure, lot. Sure, sure, sure. Whatever you say. <laughs> oh, okay, Newcastle. There- <laughs> oh, God. Come on. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad we don't have to talk about Arsenal today, which is nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's tomorrow. <laughs> Any final thoughts on that? Because, uh, you know, to Jimmy's point, yeah, they do have a, a, a tough stretch of, of games coming up and stuff, but they finally found their formula and everybody's in sync, every single player. 
Yeah, Man City at their best, it doesn't matter who the run of games is against. They are going to expect to win those. The the goals are 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 flowing right now. The team is confident. When you talk about retaining possession or keeping possession, a lot of that is that possession with intent. They were creating some chances even in their droughts when they weren't scoring goals, but that was a matter of Raheem Sterling on a breakaway not finishing. Raheem Sterling now is going to finish that. And it's just that those little teeny tiny moments uh, that swing that. And then all of a sudden you're up in games and you're able to keep possession more. The field gets bigger and you're making teams chase you. So now you're wearing them down in a different type of way, as opposed to chasing games or getting desperate from the 65th minute. Cause you haven't finished yet. And you're used to being up at that time. You know, it starts to change you a little bit. You do that one, two, three games and you start to go, man, something's different. Something's off. And so I think they've got that rhythm of uh, offensively and defensively. They're super secure. So I, I just think, yeah, uh, they're tough to beat. Special mention, by the way, to Ruben Diaz. You know, we talk a lot about players needing to acclimate themselves to the Premier League. He's been absolutely fantastic. Just fantastic uh, on both sides of the ball, just defending and looking ahead in front of him. All right. Uh, so that was the Premier League. Uh, when we come back, we will talk Serie A and a fantastic victory for Inter Milan and Antonio Conte against Juventus. Stay right here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. Que golazo pod. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce here to talk the rest of Europe now. And we begin in Italy. Serie A, Inter Milan against Juventus was a huge match, a huge game. And look at what happened. Antonio Conte and Inter Milan delivered and won 2 nothing. And now even on points with AC Milan, even though uh, AC Milan has a better goal difference, but still a fantastic victory. Heath, what a win for Inter against Juve. I, I just, I'm, I'm starting to get this taste of uh, this is uh, Inter Milan's trophy to lose at this point, but I'm still sticking it out for AC Milan. Um, but a convincing win, right? I, I think I, I honestly am starting to see a two horse race here and you, you guys might feel differently, but you know, I just don't see Juve being able to close the gap against, against two uh, Milan teams that are both in form and one of, you know, you know what I mean? I just, it, I, that gap is increasing and it's a convincing win against, against Juve. Uh, I just want to bring up the point that it wasn't a great weekend for Americans abroad, uh, which, which I'll do in my closing statement, but you know, for, for uh, Weston McKinney today, is he coming to a Juventus team that's on the back end of great uh, greatness? I don't know, but overall just a, a you know, a, a classic Italian performance, a shutout. Uh, yeah, I think Juve were decent in the last 10 minutes of the game, but otherwise uh, Inter Milan were, were just really convincing and really good across the board. Yeah, they were very, very good. Jimmy, uh, one of the things that we talked about and you said was 
uh, one of these teams needed to win. I don't think a draw was good enough for anybody, and especially for Juventus. And as Heath mentioned, the gap is just pretty wide now. Even though we're still in January, still pretty big. What did you make of it? Yeah, I'll put my flag in the ground and say that I don't think Juve is going to win the Scudetto this year. I think that streak is finally going to come to an end. I don't see enough from them. They need a, a proper creative player to kind of link up with Ronaldo. So Ronaldo doesn't have to drop too deep. He can stay high and do his thing. He comes back to come get it because nobody could really get him the ball in good areas. They're missing that. They have talent in midfielders. Don't get me wrong, but they don't really have like a 10, a proper 10. Dybala isn't really a proper 10. I feel like he's kind of a, I don't know. He's still like an out and out strike, maybe a more false nine. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what Dybala is. And I don't think anybody really else. By the way, either. Jimmy, if you think about, if you think about that, Sorry, go ahead, Luis. Sorry. No, I, I don't think Debala knows who he is himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some identity issues there. The, the one thing I wanted to say, though, if you really think logically, you start to realize that why is Weston McKinney an attacking player at Juventus? And that right. goes to show you what's missing attacking-wise, right? We love it because it's great for us as Americans, but you think about Juventus as a world-class squad, that shouldn't be your false nine or your 10 or your deep-lying uh, you know, uh, playmaker or things like that. They are missing those pieces. Sorry sorry to interrupt you. No, no. I mean, you got Rabio, you got Bentaker. I mean, Bentaker is a good pass to the ball. Rabio can run between the lines. But are those, are those the guys that are going to really pull the strings for your team? Probably not. You got Ramsey playing out of position, playing out wide. Chiesa was pretty quiet tonight. I expected a little bit more from him, uh, but it didn't happen. He's been playing pretty well uh, as well. But again, he's more of a slasher type winger. They're missing somebody. And to your point, Heath, they just don't have good balance in their team. And when we look at Inter Milan, they have better balance. They just need to be a little bit more consistent, I think, is Inter's problem. But now that they're out of Europe, they don't have to worry about a Champions League midweek thing coming up like the, the other teams are competing against do. Roma's got it. Milan have got it in the, the Europa League. Napoli has it in the Europa League. Lazio Champions League. They can just chill. They can they can hang out and smoke cigarettes and sip cappuccinos or whatever the hell they do in their free time. And, and they can just rest to make sure they can win the Scudetto. So yes, to Heath's point, I think this is interest to lose for a lot of reasons, not only because of their talent, but I also want to give a shout out to Nico Barella, their number 23, uh, young Italian midfielder. I think he's world-class. He had a, a great assist today to Arturo Vidal's first goal. Scored, had a great run on a great pass from Bastoni for, and a oh good finish. Run was uh, the run, the pass, the finish, like it was sick, dude. And Bastoni's assist was the best. Uh, unbelievable. So I, I'm a big Nico Barella fan. Uh, I think he's a world-class player. He's already got the ability. He's just going to continue to get better. And what I like about him, and I'm sure you guys can see it too, he's always looking to play forward. He, he's always, he's hungry. He always wants the ball, no matter what the situation. And I just think that's a good sign of, of somebody that's going to continue to get better. A lot of injuries for Juventus though today, right? De Ligt wasn't there, Cuadrado, uh, Sandro as well. Uh, does that matter? I mean, you know, is, they weren't at their, you know, fullest, I guess. But Inter Milan were like almost perfect, I thought today. Like, you know, so, but does that matter? Would the injuries, would, the, would those uh, players, De Ligt, Cuadrado, et cetera, would, would they have made a difference, Heath? Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope they would, but you're Juventus. It's you're the you are the, the the title holders within the league and you have plenty of depth within that team and you're playing against Inter Milan if you can't get up for those I, and I don't want to take away the credit from Inter because I thought Inter played a fantastic game but for Juventus they have enough quality to compete in that game those players could make a, a, a bigger difference but I still think that it would have been a tough result uh, with the form that enters in yeah how about you Jimmy those injuries would they you know those people would they have made a difference 
I, I, I would, I want to say yes, because I think Delict's been playing pretty well. And I think Bonucci and Kalini, Chiellini are getting a little long in the tooth and, and especially on Barella's goal where it was really wide open. Chiellini kind of got caught in two minds and, and got beat for pace, which is a big surprise. Not to say Delict would have got there, but maybe his energy, his youthful exuberance would have seen him uh, in a better spot, maybe paired with Bonucci and Chiellini could have been on the bench. So yeah, those Quadrado has been very good going forward. So he would have probably been a little bit more of a threat. Uh, Ashley Young probably would have had more to do defensively, but Kiesa didn't play particularly well. I feel like he's been the one that's been driving a lot of things outside of Ronaldo, of course. And I want to say yes, but given the way the Inter performed, they could have won by three, fours, five. I mean, they had so many chances. And uh, I, I just think that uh, the, today was Inter's day. Yeah, and to conclude from Heath's point, I think the gap is too wide now. I, I'm also with you, Jimmy. I, this is Juventus is not winning this. I just think it's too far that these two teams above them, not just them two, but Milan and Inter, who, by the way, face each other uh, February 21st. Mark your calendars. What's the gap? Do you guys, either of you guys have the table up? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, if we look right here, Ace Milan on 40 points, Inter Milan on 40 as well. Napoli third place 34, Roma 34, Juventus in fifth on 33. So it's not gigantic. It's not double figures. But and Milan I have a game in hand, right? Uh, AC they, Milan. They play tomorrow. Uh, Cagliari gets Cagliari. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Inter have a game already extra. That was their extra game ahead. But I still think that that gap is too, is too wide. And as we talked, Antonio Conte and Inter Milan now have to really just focus in the Scudetto, Coppa Italia. Juventus, I feel, is the other way around now. Champions League or nothing for, for Andrea Pirlo, especially in his first season, uh, you would think, right? Do you think, do you think he survives uh, after the season if they don't win uh, the league? Well, he's lucky that he's a former uh, legendary player for Juventus, I think. Otherwise, I mean, AC Milan has chewed up and spit out every former player ever uh, at their club. Uh, you have a bad <laughs> run of games from Pippo and Zaghi to um, um, uh, Gattuso to, I don't know, Nesta. I don't know. They, they basically take them all in and send them all out after a few I, games. So. I you, but it's Andrea Pirlo. I feel I, like yeah. I thought he was an NYCFC legend. Did he, not <laughs> he, make, is, did he yeah. make his name before that? He did. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently he did. I, I, my, my thought on that is it's going to depend on who's available. Yeah. You know, if, if Juve can go and maybe, maybe somehow steal Gasparini from Atalanta or, you know what I mean? You go get one of those types of managers that has a lot of experience. Uh, maybe they would go do that, but I, I just feel like they're in a transition right now. Juve, they were going to, this, this streak wasn't going to go forever. At some point they were going to have a drop off. A lot of their key core players are getting older. You know, they can't rely on Chiellini and, and Bonucci and Buffon and, and uh, even Dybala to a certain you think, extent. You think point. Ronaldo leaves at a certain point in the near They future? don't win the Champions League this one. I, I was, he got one more year on his deal, right? Yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I, uh, or he's got 18 months left. I would say he sees it out. I don't, unless they think they can get some money for him, which then maybe you'd have to consider it. So you wouldn't leave for free. Well, I don't know. You've, you've in trouble, man. I, they're just in a team in transition. They got a lot of pieces that don't fit together. And is that all Pirlo's fault? A lot of that was inherited. You, so you, I don't know. You, yeah. You have, you had to know that you're doing, there has to be some, you would think there's some sort of uh, blueprint in play when you bring in a brand new, uh, kind of inexperienced manager like Pirlo saying, you know, let's, you're going to take a few uh, to the gut, but we're going to like see this out and rebuild a little bit, unless they just thought we'll bring this guy in and he'll work magic with an aging squad. I don't know. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, the, the, the biggest point as well is, you know, if they don't win Scudetto, if they don't win the champions league, what is their objective in the transfer window in the summer? Because, you know, we've talked a lot about how they need a proper number 10. Who is that? Or would it be another star striker? Do they go all out for somebody else to support, you know, Ronaldo and co? That that will be determined. Yeah. 
they're, but they're trying to shed wages. That's the other thing is like, they're actually trying to go about shedding wages. I mean, you know, where probably 50% of it is, but like, uh, you know, they, they've got to also cut down if they're going to rebuild. So there has to be more than just, you know, spending, especially in during, during a, a pandemic stage. There's no chance that um, they're not, if they don't win the Champions League or Scudetto, there's no way that this club is not going for another big player in the summer. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. But, you know. I don't know. They, they have some pieces. I mean, I'm looking at the roster now. Kulisevsky is 20. You know, Weston McKinney is 22. Delict is 21. Bentaker is 23. Um, you know, you could keep Morata. He's 28. You got Chiesa is 23. I mean, they have some players you can build around. It's just they're kind of in that weird phase where maybe their older guys are a little bit too old. Their younger guys just aren't ready for that responsibility yet. And maybe that comes with time. And then obviously Ronaldo's 35. So he's a robot though. So I guess he'll but, be fine. But I also want to, I also want to mention that there was no quality that you have at AC Milan and Inter Milan that you have now. The form that they're in now is forcing the hand of a Juventus who's also having an off year. But generally, it was theirs wide open by this point in the season, you know. And now you have more quality there. You have you have more teams that you're competing against uh, on later into the season. I think even last year, these two teams could have taken quite a few points from from a Juventus squad and and made it a different type of conversation. But in the form that they're in this year, there is a, a rejuvenation or a rebuilding that you have to do to compete at at, at a, a new standard. That's the Serie A. By the There's way. Can I, can I wait? Can I throw this out there for you guys? Because I think this is crazy. I think Cristiano Ronaldo wants to go back to Manchester United. Do a player swap with him and Paul Pogba. You might have to throw in like a Van de Beek as well. And so you get two for one because Ronaldo's value, obviously, a little bit more, I think, than Pogba's. But but he's also older. So maybe you just do a straight up swap. I don't know. But but uh, I could see something like that happen because Pogba has, you know, intimated that he'd go back to Juve in a heartbeat. Well, our latest from when we talked to Fabrizio Romano, by the way, for all Juventus fans, in case you didn't hear that, right, this year, last year, I'm sorry, in 2020, Juventus's plan was to get Pogba. They were going to go all out for him in the summer, but due to COVID and the financial restructuring, they had to obviously just sit that one out. So Pogba to Juventus is very much in the cards, almost a done deal. So that, that could be the solution to many things. And by the way, you know, we, we've all said, nah, Juve's not winning this. It's still seven points away. It's, it's not impossible, right? It's not, I'm, we're not saying that it will happen, but it's not completely impossible. I think no matter what happens, uh, another player needs to come in, a star player, to try and support everything that Ronaldo does. Because to what you said, Jimmy, the ball is not it. Uh, so, you know, they need to figure that one out. All right. Uh, when we come back, we will touch on the Spanish Supercopa. Very exciting one, as well as a little bit of a preview on the United States women's national team as they have a doubleheader against Colombia. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody. Que golazo, pod. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. All right, let's wrap things up here. Spanish Supercopa as Barcelona faced Athletic Bilbao. Such an exciting game. It went all the way to extra time as Athletic Bilbao equalized in the 90th. Absolutely unbelievable. There was also a, a goal called off because of uh, VAR. There's a messy red card included in extra time as well. And Athletic Bilbao. Guys, uh, win the Supercopa against Ronald Koeman's Barcelona. Jimmy, reactions on this one? Uh, my first reaction is that Barcelona gave this one away. They scored first, and then within a minute, Athletic came back and equalized, and then they went up 2-1. Griezmann scored both of them, by the way, and off of Jordi Alba's assists, or I guess Jordi Alba's initiating the, the, the attacks from the left side. And they gave up 
Another one. I mean, as you said, there was a one called off. It was super close. I think Athletic definitely deserved uh, a draw at the very least. I thought they were in control of the game. They never looked troubled, really, by any stretch of the imagination. But Barcelona's got to be pretty hard done by that they uh, let them get back in the game when they had two leads. And then on top of that, Inaki Williams, if you guys get a chance to see it, scored an absolute banger to make it 3-2. Yeah. And uh, they go on to win. Messi got a red card for pushing somebody down. I thought it was pretty soft, all things considered. He probably doesn't care anyway. He's going to be playing for Manchester City next season. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, you, if, if you're that ref, you know you got one chance to make history with Messi because he's on his way out. So why not just send him off? And exactly, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, listen here now, uh, Athletic Bilbao, who, by the way, you know, have gone through so much anyway themselves. And if you don't know their history, they only recruit players from from their region and Basque country. Uh, they have a very specific tradition, and, and you know, and it's very commendable to everything that they do. Uh, they obviously had a Copa del Rey final. Uh, last year, that was going to be a full-on uh, uh, Basque final, but obviously COVID uh, had different plans. But here they are beating Ronald Koeman's Barcelona, uh, a tremendous achievement. And what, I mean, what do you make of, uh, once again, another Thornheath for Ronald Koeman here? Uh, Messi wasn't 100%. He had to wait all the way, sort of, you know, like a final decision to see if, if he was even going to be able to take part because, you know, he had... Uh, sort of uh, an inconsistent week when it came to training. But here we go. He came in, he gets a red card. A very exciting game. Griezmann does play well, etc. But again, a final lost, which is pretty much the only thing that these Barcelona fans are going to remember. Yeah, Griezmann, again, two goals. Obviously, you want to round, like, has that form, but it just seems like the better he does, the worse other things happen. They can't really seem to get it all on the same page. But I think Jimmy was pretty spot on with his analysis uh, of that game. And I just think it's, you're, you're getting to that point of insult to injury, or is it injury to insult, insult to injury? Uh, yeah, you got it right. you got yeah. It. and, and it, they just can't seem to get it right. This was theirs for the taking and whether they consider this big or small, um, it would be one that, that gives them, uh, just some confidence, uh, to move forward in the season. And I, I don't really have much more to say to it other than Barcelona should win those, but all credit to Bill Bow, obviously, uh, well-known for developing players in the tradition that they have of developing only players from their region and continuing to put out a lot of top level players, including Inaki Williams. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say to that. Yeah. I would just jump in and say athletic won their 35th trophy of their history. Messi was going for his 35th trophy as an individual. So that kind of speaks to what was happening in that game. Um, but yeah, fair play to athletic uh, to your points and to whatever you guys have been saying. They, they deserve a lot of credit. And, and honestly, when I watch this game and think it through, even though they were down twice, they, they really, I thought, set the tone and set the initiative. They wanted to win this game. And I feel like Barcelona fans should be lucky based on how they performed, which is a little underwhelming, that it wasn't against Real Madrid. Because if they get embarrassed against Real Madrid, that's something completely different than if maybe they lose to Athletic in a close game, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough time for Barcelona. And apparently their elections for their new president have been delayed as well. That's if that drags on in any stretch of the imagination, Messi will definitely leave. That's I think that's part of what he wanted to get sorted out just so he could feel some peace and comfort knowing that the team was in good hands and being led by people that were competent in his eyes. Yeah, no, he's done. He's done. <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm just, okay, fine, fine. He's done. I feel, I feel like the red card is a proverbial sort of way of saying, look, I'm done with everything to be honest. I mean, he, uh, to be honest with you, he had no business playing in this game. Definitely starting. He, he wasn't was, fit. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't fit and he wasn't ready and you could kind of see it. He really wasn't part of the game at all. He was dropping so deep, which is what he usually does. But you could sense that that spark that he that he usually has when he's 100 percent wasn't there. So, uh, his, you know, his first red card for Barcelona, by the way. 
That's right. The last yeah. one I feel was a Copa America one. Uh, yeah, it was so, Argentina. Well, that one was unfair, right? Because uh, what didn't uh, Vidal get in his face or somebody get in his face? Yeah, yeah correct. Vidal's yeah. always in everybody's face. <laughs> That's true. That's for yeah. another time. All right. Before we leave you, everybody, the United States women's national team uh, begin their 2021 journey with a double header against Colombia. Uh, Vladko Andonovsky uh, talked today as well in his presser as we tape, of course. Uh, some just quick thoughts. Uh, let's begin with you, Heath, uh, on, on this journey as they begin 2021, a very busy period for the U.S. women. I mean, Colombia, you know, obviously a team that is very strong, uh, very collected, but they're not obviously to the level of the U.S. women's side. But it will be a good tester to begin with. Uh, and also how Vladko uh, continues his development. Yeah, look, they're coming off of an offseason. Uh, some of them shorter and longer than others, those that were playing abroad. I think this team obviously has had a huge gap of their usual games, right? They, they tend to have a lot more, obviously, because of the pandemic. They haven't really played a lot of games. So this is a good, a good tester for them. I think there's a wider pool as well. Um, we're at the edge. Because, of, because the Olympics uh, didn't happen last summer, you have this extension of a lot of the players decided to continue their international careers. And now you have this one more year, kind of this last hurrah where they want to go into the Olympics. So you have a lot of age on this team. And I think there's a lot of young players knocking on the door that aren't called into this camp that I think will come post-Olympics this summer. But I think it's one last chance for this group and this core group to, 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 to start the year right and go in towards the Olympics, try to, try to get an Olympic gold. But, you know, it starts with, with uh, you know, this doubleheader. Yeah, and Jimmy, we have a new captain with the U.S. women's national team as well. Is that right? Didn't Vladko Yes, announce? yes. He announced that Becky Sauerbrunn is going to be the captain. I feel like she's one of those players that doesn't need a piece of cloth around her arm to be a leader. So this seems like more of a mere formality uh, than anything else. I think that when she speaks on the field, the players listen. She speaks off the field, the players listen. She has that type of presence and makes sense. She's a center back. That's the type of presence you want from a center back. She's got a ton of experience. And for me, I was always kind of surprised that they gave it to an attacking player. You usually don't give the captain's armband to your attacking players. So Carly Lloyd, obviously, and Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan wore it with pride. I think it's better to be Leo well, Messi. Yeah, Leo Messi, whatever. <laughs> I like the center. I like I like it given to a center back, a CDM, someone who's going to be in the spine of your team, really, uh, you know, keeping things under control and, and not getting caught up in the emotion of maybe trying to attack or score goals or any of that good stuff. What about well, a goalkeeper captain, Jimmy? You okay with that? Uh, at times, it depends on who it is. I would say that they're still a little detached from the from the field itself, you know. So I think it's better to have a field player than a goalkeeper. But that's my that's my uh, two cents on that. I will say that I'm excited that Katarina Macario is going to be able to play for the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, she is a fantastic player. I think she's going to be the big name we're talking about for the next four, five, six years. Yeah, no, it's great to see. I'm with you, by the way, on the goalkeeper captain. Get all that nonsense, please. <laughs> we don't need a captain as a keeper, all right? Hugo Lloris, you heard me right. Unless uh, it's beach soccer and it's five yeah. aside. And he's nice and close to the strikers. Sure, sure. <laughs> Your keeper is basically your free kick taker as well. <laughs> that's right. All right, well, that's it. That's all the time that we have. Uh, Heath Pierce, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, my final thoughts are, I'm very sorry to all U.S. soccer fans. Had a rough weekend. Sergio Des subbed off at halftime. Pulisic doesn't score. Uh, uh, Gio Reyna didn't play. Uh, Tyler Adams didn't play. Weston McKinney lost. Uh, but our boy Matthew Hoppe is the new hope. And Schalke scores again, Let's even go. though they lose to Eintracht Frankfurt. So, hey, things are uh, looking up and looking down at the same time. That's my parting uh, shots. America's Hoppe. Uh, Jimmy, any final thoughts? 
No, I, I like I like the energy from Heath there. I do. I guess I got I got one. I got one. I, I'm just still disappointed that Roma got slapped around by Lazio. I'm a Roma supporter, and and Lazio deserved uh, the 3-0 win, and that makes me sad because I thought Roma had maybe an outside chance. Okay, I'm done. No. Thank you. <laughs> you always call it, Jimmy. Cheer up the hero, man. Like you give him an inch, he will take him. That's out. it. Cheer the hero, Mobley. Well, Jimmy Heath, uh, thank you so much, boys. All right. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. Make sure that you listen to us on Apple Podcasts and please leave a rating and review. They really help us to grow the show. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your pods. You can also listen to us on cbssports.com. We're on YouTube. We're everywhere, baby. Have a great beginning to your week and I'll see you very soon. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday, after the Equalizer, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.